You're listening to Tango Uncorked. Hello, everybody. It is Tuesday, August 20th, and I am punctual this week with the latest episode of Tango Uncorked. And I'm going to look here because I don't know which number we're at. How is everybody today? Oh, I see. It looks like we're coming up. This will be number 17. How are you today? What a day I had. Um, What day did I do today? Oh, I have to apply for a new passport. I bought my flight to Buenos Aires for January, and I see that it expires in February, and you're not allowed to travel with a passport that's within six months of expiration, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. Except that that's why it makes sense, I guess. So, I uh, did that, went to the gym, went to the library, got out a bunch of books. I decided to get into some James Elroy because I had to return my Stephen King book. I uh, hadn't finished it. Somebody else put it on hold. And instead of keeping it like a rude asshole, I decided to... Return it and put it on hold, so now that I can be the next one waiting for it. Um, So this is episode 4, I mean, I'm sorry, 17, but it's the fourth part of the Cleveland series. And I am wrapping it up with Craig Harrington, who is from Cleveland, and who got started just within the past two years or so in tango in Cleveland, and he is already... Well, number one, he's dancing really well. He's DJing, and he started teaching as well. And uh, I just think that when I look back at the lineage of how things start and the connections and um, how we go from this to this to this, it's just kind of amazing. I still remember talking to Alberto and Michaela several years ago about where they wanted to set up shop, and I recommended Cleveland, of course. And uh, they went, and they... They're there and they're doing their stuff and now they're they're inspiring new students. Uh, some people have moved there for Tango to be part of the community, and uh, the uh, the event that this all of these interviews took place at, uh, the Cleveland Tango Bowling Marathon, has turned into a huge success, much more than I ever imagined because of their presence there and what they're doing there. And uh, I don't know, I just think all of these amazing things happen. When, um, what did I write here? I wrote something earlier. I said, nothing is anything until you make it something. Um, so, you know, you have an idea and it can sit there for a long time. But until you, you put it out into the world, you have no idea, uh, get it? No idea, uh, what could happen. And so that's what happens. Uh, as I mentioned, I bought my ticket to Buenos Aires. It is the first time I've been back in about, it'll be four years, I think. Wow. And we used to go every year. We've been there many, many times. So I sent the passport. Well, I'll send the passport in tomorrow. The uh, passport has to be sent by U.S. mail. Otherwise, they send it back, which I find very funny. Um, and which I also find kind of frustrating because U.S. mail is terrible. Uh, but hopefully it all works out. It has twice already. It's my third passport. I started uh, at 17, I guess. So, wow. What else do we want to talk about? Well, I want to talk a little bit at the end of the show just about this experience of doing this four-part series. 
um i have an an interview waiting to be posted for next week with a, a new yorker but then in the following week i'm hoping to get here in the studio uh jason Koo for the episode number 19 i believe um and i'll, I'll break that one down later when he's here and we can talk more about that um this past weekend no i think i told the most i told you all those of you listening that would be you not me. Uh, Sharon and I purchased a car last week. Uh, well, it's uh, two weeks ago now. And Sunday we woke up. What do you want to do? I don't know. Nothing. No plans. Okay. Perfect. Let's take a drive. So we jumped in the car, took a drive, went down to uh, Jacob Reese Beach, which is also called the People's Beach, which I really like. And it is a very funky beach. There's people with tents up and music playing and there's nudity and there's drinking and there's it just feels like a really free uh interesting kind of fun atmosphere very bohemian definitely my kind of place um so if you've never been i highly recommend it it's in the rockaways one of the first stops when you cross the bridge after you pass uh floyd bennett field uh anyway that is a little bit about my last few days and here is Craig Harrington from Cleveland, Ohio. Music for five years as a voice major, I don't think at any point, they, they taught us how to sing into microphones, which you'd think in the 21st century. <laughs> Adam just banged his oh, knee against the piano. Yes, now we are. Thank God. Fucking Christ, my goddamn knee. Shit. Um, I'm going to cut that out. That's very okay. profane. Come a little closer to the mic. Yeah, Is this Mr. good? Mr. Voice Major can't talking to a microphone yeah so despite going to music school for five years to learn how to sing never once did they teach us how to sing into a microphone which you'd think in the 21st century might be a useful life skill is that true yeah for how many years i i my undergraduate was five uh, four years and i did one year of uh, graduate studies in conducting and you never they never actually put you in front of a mic no but it's voice schooling y yes okay um, Who am I sitting here with? You are. <laughs> for our. I have like three listeners. One of them is like this big fat guy. And just imagine this while you're talking to me. And one of them is me. The, the, there's you, and there's this dude who watches like porn, and then he listens to this show. And your girlfriend, and that's it. Damn, dude, this is getting dark. <laughs> so, do we want to say your name or not? <laughs> I um. I was waiting for you to introduce me. Any oh. podcast I've listened to, the oh, host introduced Oh, I'm sorry. The guest. Yeah. Well, this isn't that kind of podcast, Craig Harrington. Oh, okay. <laughs> Craig Harrington, how you doing? I'm doing really well, Are you well, originally Adam. from Cleveland? I, I, like 30 minutes east of Cleveland. I'm sorry. I, I am too. <laughs> I'm sorry too. <laughs> 30 My, minutes east, so like... Shh. Mentor. Mentor. For all of the local listeners. Yeah. Well, you know, we're going to start a revolution. We're going to get everybody to move to Cleveland, Ohio soon enough. 
I hope so. It has a good thriving tango scene for people to move to. Yeah, so you started dancing within the last three years, two years? How long uh, has it been? Yeah, I think, I think I'm about halfway through my second year of, of tango. You learned fast, dude. Well, thank you. I mean, I don't know if it's real, but it looks real. I. <laughs> you, you, you danced with me. You know it's real. I don't remember any of it. You were you were quite drunk. No, I wasn't. Yes, you that's were. That's a lie. I don't drink. Okay, that's right. Ad- Adam Hoopengardner doesn't drink. Everybody. They all they all know I don't drink. <laughs> um, that was last night, if I remember incorrectly. That uh that w- that was last night. Um, so yeah, I've been dancing tango for about two and a half years. I uh I have good teachers in that of you know Tito and Mickey Cleveland Tango School. Yeah, and so you were a voice major, really. Yes, I studied the voice in university. So I grew up in Mentor, Ohio for 18 years. For my undergraduate degree, I went to the University of Akron for four years in my undergrad. I started in music education, realized I didn't want to teach in the public school system. So then I just got a Bachelor of Arts in Music. I spent one year in graduate school for choral conducting or wand waving for all of the muggles listening. Okay. Muggles. And that's that's my schooling. Um, and so now you're a billionaire, I'm guessing. Uh, not yet. <laughs> I'm working. I'm working on it. My Bitcoin when did hasn't you hit fa- that. When did you make your first million? I, off I, of the voice training. <laughs> uh, ooh. <laughs> I love the arts in this country. I, yeah. It's um. The the way we prioritize the arts and the way we prioritize different kinds of work is interesting to me. Um, but what, what's also interesting to me is how music schools seem to be stuck in the 19th century. For example, as, as we mentioned, I never learned how to sing into a microphone, mm-hmm. despite studying the voice for five years. Um, it's, it's under the auspices well, you of... you weren't studying microphones. Well, you were <laughs> studying the voice. So. Yeah, yes. Well, um, who the fuck needs a microphone? Well, it's, it's under the auspices of being in, uh, an opera singer, probably, or right, a choir right. singer. Um, yeah, yeah. And they don't use microphones. That's what I figured. That yeah. Could, you don't need a mic for, but you're. So what are you doing with your? Are you doing anything with all that training besides talking to me into a microphone right now, which wasn't part of that training at all? <laughs> <laughs> right now, no. I previously worked. I work as, at Bob's Big. <laughs> no, sorry. I previously worked as an assistant organist, um, but right now, right now, my main gigs are. Right now, my gigs are working at a dance studio. I work in the reception. I also teach tango on occasion. Uh, people surprisingly pay me, and then I teach them how to dance. I know. I've been bullshitting my way through that for like 15 yeah, years. Yeah, I, I just started bullshitting Amazing. my way yeah. through it. You got to start somewhere, man. Yeah. And um, recently, I've started playing the bandonion. Wow. Um, that's a lot of isolated... You, you, to do the bandonion, I mean, you have to enjoy... S- being alone for quite a bit of time every day because that is i tried to play it i'm a social animal so i got a bandoneon from a friend and after about 30 seconds i was like on the phone like hey girlfriend i'm playing a bandoneon right now like i couldn't <laughs> i i don't have i can't i'm learning how to meditate and things like that to be honest like for real um because i just i i just like being around people a lot so so you're you enjoy being alone playing the bandoneon, like putting that time into practice? I mean, I don't, I don't know if any musician enjoys practice, but it's just it's just a necessary requirement right, to be right, good right. at any instrument. Yeah, or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hate practicing. Like Chica will tell you if you ever asked her. Like, <laughs> But we do it, you know. No, but 
to be good at that kind of craft, you have to really put a lot of time in. It, it, do, it does take a lot of time. I'm fortunate enough that I'm not quite starting from square zero. Um, I'm coming from a musical background in the voice and uh, a little, I can barely play the organ, just enough to get occasionally hired by a church. Um, so I've been able to put all of this, mu- all of this music, all of this music schooling to good use mm-hmm. and just channel it into the bandonion. That's so it's, it's given me a head start. It's also a powerful instrument. You, you need to like, rough, like it's, it's, um, yeah, it is interesting. I've never, I've never played an, inst- I've never played a bellows instrument before. So it's interesting. The, um isolating your fingers from your wrist and hmm. uh and your knees um the viewers can't see but i'm making this really odd um yeah, he's, motion he's at adam right now closing his crotch with his knees it's pretty attractive yeah so you use your legs to help open and close the instrument ideally yeah makes sense that would be a, an efficient way to do that um so are you teaching much in, in cleveland um, I, I teach an occasional workshop, yeah. uh, generally at the whatever milonga I happen to be DJing in town. Um, and then I have I have a couple of private private students that I teach, and that's that's about it right and now. And I've noticed I've been seeing on like your ads on Facebook or your promos, like you do a lot of classes music. They're oriented around the music. Yeah. So one of one of my favorite classes to teach is a sit down class where I go through the the music of tango, but I, I distill I distill all of the musical knowledge down for dancers. Can you elaborate? Um, I mean, we're sitting here. Sure. So there are a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of things that dancers need to know about the music. Mm-hmm. One of the most important things is they need to know where they need to know where the beat is. Mm-hmm. Um, something that's useful for dancers is knowing how a phrase starts and stops. Mm. Um, yeah. Some things dancers don't need to know. Um, they don't need to know, and none of this is about to make sense for your listeners, they don't need to know what mode the song is in. They don't need to know the har- harmonic rhythm. They don't need to know that the valse has a hemiola at the end. Things mm-hmm. like that. Right, right. But you, but you talk about what they don't need to know no i I don't i don't talk i don't i don't mention what they don't need to know i mention what they need to know that's good good. do you find that you're do you enjoy teaching like uh, being in that role i do um you know i mentioned that i stopped working towards a music education degree and um despite that i still went back to graduate school to study conducting which is essentially just another teaching role um we often refer to conductors as maestro that's an italian that's originally an italian word it means it literally means to teach Hmm. um so despite not thinking i would be a good teacher or not thinking i would enjoy teaching it keeps dragging me back in and sucking me back in in various aspects you feel like you learn a lot while you're teaching i mean i'm not talking about i'm talking more about your yourself in terms of how you interact with people or try to communicate in different ways and things like that do you find you learn while you're doing it a little a little bit definitely i lately i've been doing some self-reflection while i'm teaching and then while and as well as while i'm not teaching and i feel a pedagogical gap in my teaching whatever i'm doing whether it's the voice or dance is um the kinesthetics of it like i I see these lovely ballroom teachers um 
adjust their students physically and uh, the process the process works that they do and I, I have no idea how to even begin to do that hmm. have you ever um, taken any when you when you're studying tango yourself do you feel like you're studying the the lesson or, or sort of learning how the teachers are teaching it depends generally a little bit of both when when I go to a workshop or a festival I'm I'm taking in the material that they're teaching and then I'm also taking in how they're teaching it uh, and I'm making notes I'm making notes of what is interesting for my dance mm -hmm. and I'm making notes of how effective are these various teaching styles both yeah. for me and I'm looking around at the other dancers and seeing how they're right. being taught yeah yeah um since the beginning uh, from in my growth or whatever I've always wanted to just study with as many people as possible uh, because I want to be able to dance with as many people as possible so I want to have as many tools as possible and also I've I realized quickly like when you're through that process I'm learning how each person is sort of trying to communicate their philosophy and then it's nice to have that like bag of uh tricks in a way because if you're if you're working with one group of people and you're very technical and you're like oh these these are not technical people they're they're more spiritual or, or they're here or they're there with their life um you have more options to like change the game plan and, and, and adapt to the group and that's where i find you know we we learn a lot while we're while we're in the act of doing it because we're 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 not we're we're observing what we're we're, we're what we're offering not just standing there lecturing i don't know that makes sense to you it um it, it does um the more classes i take and the more teachers i see i feel one one important facet of teaching is not necessarily knowing what the student needs to know but knowing what they what they don't need to know um for example if if i were to ask you to tell me everything you knew about tango uh -huh. we would be here for the next month uh 17 thousand years man <laughs> no no so can you elaborate more on that um can you repeat what you said originally before you said that sure and yeah. i will i will try to phrase it in a slightly better yeah, way i'm not a smart man i need to, you need to I, yes you, yes you bit. are you need to slow it down craig harrington from mentor it's it's important for any teacher <laughs> that's too I, sorry, slow. Wow, that's too. That's too. That's <laughs> okay, too slow. Okay. I'm losing my own train of thought. No, I really like the way you put it. Actually, it was it was good. A teacher needs to know what the student doesn't need to know yes, at that time. That's fucking awesome. You can't overload a student. Right, but also sometimes in my experience, like I've had students who you you say like today we're gonna walk to the phrase. So that's eight beats, whatever, 16, depending on how you want to count it. And you're going to walk to the sixth, fifth or sixth, you're going to shift weight, and you're going to start again on the one. And the student's like, well, I don't, fe I don't feel that. Or uh, there's, a, there's a million reasons why they don't um, want to ag agree with that. And, and it's like, all I'm asking you to do right now, man, <laughs> is do this thing. You know, it's, it's like you said. Can you say it again? The student. Maybe. The uh, the teacher needs to know what the student doesn't need to yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as a as a teacher, you're trying to guide them. Like, 
All this other stuff you think you want to know, you don't need to know that shit, right? We know what you need to know because we're doing it. But they're, you know, they have their own idea of what the, the dance is and, and or whatever they're they're pursuing. Do you need some water? Oh no, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> um. So no, that's that's fucking great. That's a gem, man. Yeah, and and I say that as one of those students that felt they needed to know everything. Yeah. Uh, my second. My second or third voice teacher at university, I had I had difficulties with, not because he wasn't a good teacher. Um, he was a good teacher, and he knew what I needed to know in the moment, and he knew what I didn't need to know. My issue as a student was not trusting his guidance, mm-hmm. and um, that was unfortunately two years where I didn't learn as much as I could have because I wasn't able to trust that he he knew what I didn't need to know. Right. Uh, there's a milonga playing right now. I want to ask you, mm-hmm. what's your preferred dance right now? Milonga Vals Tango. Mm. Just out of curiosity, since it happens to be playing. I mean, I like I like them all for various reasons. Uh-huh. It's I feel I can play best with the music of Milonga. Uh-huh. And that's just because my current wheelhouse, I'm more of a... Um, quote-unquote rhythmic dancer uh-huh. and i'm able to know where the various parts of the beat are going to occur and i'm able to lead my follow and i onto those interesting syncopations mm-hmm. i always loved milonga for years and lately i don't feel it it's weird i'm not upset about it i know things come and go in phases but i've always used to hate vols and the past few years, I'm like, I'm just fucking valsing my shit off. Like, I just love turning, that sensation. So it's been really, that's been my favorite. I I like the platonic concept of vals, but in practice, I don't have enough turns to do an entire tanda of vals. Hmm. I'm still working on those. Those are going to take a while. I'm yeah. still working on those too. That's why I, I oh, like vals. Can I, can I swear on your podcast? Uh, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Craig, I'm going to wrap this one up because I was here with Catherine earlier and we went on for a while and, and we have, you know, we have things to do. We have a milonga happening outside. And, we do. Uh, we want to enjoy that. I feel like the weekend's going by too fast. I took a nap earlier and Thursday night seems like two days ago, just so far. And uh, it, 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 um, it's <laughs> happening really fast. Uh, where are we again? Where are we recording? Uh, we're in a bowling alley, dude. Really? What For what event? Um... Are you not aware of where you are right now? No, I, I was... I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> so Craig Carrington apparently doesn't know what the fuck's going on. But, um, yeah, no. I, I've already told the listeners. We're okay. at the Cleveland Tango Bowling Marathon, the eighth one. Um, I can't believe beyond my wildest dreams how it's changed since I started it eight years ago. And and the people of Cleveland who've come... To, to dance like when I started this the, the community was very different a lot of them didn't come to support it which I understand because who's you know I'm coming in from New York and uh, whatever I don't know there's all that shit but I think what you guys are doing here right now I'm blown away by not just I mean Tito and Kayla you know they're like leading the ship but all of you guys you and Jordan and Lori and and People I can't think of right now, and, and I'm sorry to forget their n- not mention them, but you, what you guys are doing is awesome. This community is 
fucking great. It's really growing, and it's uh, for me to witness that because I'm from here. It's it's really inspiring. Oh, thank you, Adam. Um, these these past three years, uh, I've attended the marathon the past three years, and it's been just an incredible journey and an incredibly different marathon each year. Um, the first the first year I went, I think I had been dancing for maybe six months, and I went Friday night. Had a horrible time. Was stressed out the entire time, and I just didn't go back the rest of the week. Last year, I had a fucking blast. All weekend. And this year, it's gotten even better because, hey, I'm one of the DJs. Oh, my God. Are you DJing this event? I am. On uh, Sunday, right? Uh, Sunday night. Like closing I am, in Milonga. I am closing the, Mil- the Cleveland Tango that's, Bowl So that's marathon. another thing. Like Cleveland is producing tango teachers and tango DJs, and they're not bad. <laughs> that's awesome we're good enough to be hired by adam hoopengardner I, everybody oh i didn't hire you no i'm just kidding <laughs> can i ask you another thing of course three years in i don't want this question i mean it, it, it'll it'll it may take a while to answer i don't know which is fine but i found dancing tango changed my life in a lot of ways in turn and, and specifically the question is more about like how you interact with people do you feel like it's helped you learn how to better negotiate relationships, create relationships, open up yourself to other people. I, I, I don't know. Um, short answer, yes. <laughs> uh, lo- long. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Craig. <laughs> I know that was that were like I'm trying to wrap it up and then I throw that fucking bomb like real quick. Uh, how has it changed your life in five five words or less? <laughs> Long answer. Yeah. <laughs> so one one of the things that I've I've struggled with um, and continue to struggle with is this this level of emotional vulnerability. Um. And study at. And Tango has helped that. We'll, okay, we'll, that's fine. That's fine. It, it, it has it has helped that. Um, we'll, we'll call we'll call it quits on that answer. I, that's fine. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, I've I've just we I you know we all have these conversations with our friends in Tango. And people people listening who don't dance may not uh, understand right now, but I feel like Tango will either really improve your life or fucking destroy you. <laughs> uh, right now it's still in the improving stage. It's been. <laughs> It's allowed me to travel to all of these places I never thought I would I would um, yeah. go to. You know, I grew up in Northeast Ohio. I grew up in fucking Ohio. I never th- I never thought I would attend New Year's Eve uh, in New York City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I never My th- first thing was that, actually. Uh, back really? in 2003 to four, I went there for a Tango New Year's Eve party. And I didn't even know how to dance, like a little bit. But I just took a Greyhound and, yeah. That was another one of those events that I went to way too early. Again, I was dancing like for only maybe six months, and uh, New York City, kind of a scary place to start dancing at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I when I moved there, quick quick story before we wrap mm-hmm. up. When I moved there in 2004, I would take the bus to Philadelphia to dance tango because the, it's only two hours away, and the community was super like smaller and way more friendly and approachable. And so like I would go to I would go out like. In New York, I would go out watching Dango, and then in Philly, I would go out dancing Dango, because it was terrifying at first. 
Well, we haven't been longer to get to. Um, thank you, Craig, for your time. Thank you for having and me, Adam. For um, all you're doing for Cleveland Tango. It's pretty awesome. Thank you. All right, let's have a good weekend. All right, so there we were with Craig Harrington, Cleveland native, Cleveland Tango star, soon to be on the world stage of voice tango history. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, so it was fun. I dragged all my equipment to Cleveland, Ohio during the event at the end of July. By the way, we're going to do it again at the end of July 2020. So put it on your calendar. Um, while it's on my mind, if you like the podcast, please subscribe. If you like the podcast and you want to give me any feedback, feel free to shoot me a message. It's on Facebook, Tango and Cork. And it's on all your local podcast providers. Uh, as you heard, I think I banged my knee on every single conversation. <laughs> it was, I guess, that's a fun way to break the ice if you're, cl- if you're, if you're, uh, if you're, if you're who? What, what was I going to say? Client? If your uh, interviewee or whoever, whatever the fuck you want to call them, is is nervous, bang your knee on something before you start asking them questions and talking to them. They'll get a good laugh out of it. And then they'll feel a little more empowered, I guess. Um, and like that's what I'm learning. It's like help your guests feel better, help them, uh, you know, figure out what their what's their what's their deal. You know, when people sit down behind a microphone, and for most of my guests, it's their first time. Uh, I think giving them a voice is good. It helps, you know, kind of helps them help them. Helps them help themselves. Helps them hear themselves. I don't know. Maybe you get what I mean. Maybe not. But we are all important. We all matter. And I think it's good to acknowledge that. I mean, some people suck. That's true. As uh, as I heard a friend tell me yesterday. Happy people are going to be happy. Miserable people are going to be miserable. And there's really nothing you can do about it. Um... That's about all I have to say today. Yeah, I have all these notes, but when I read back and I look at them and I feel like, well, maybe I'm just repeating a lot of common sense. So I'm going to leave it at that. I hope you enjoy our conversation with Craig Harrington. Go check him out in Cleveland, Ohio, or uh, anywhere else he may be traveling in the near future. Until next week, I will be, at ba- next week I will be with uh, Natalie LaRuccia. LaRuccia. Again, I'm butchering that name, but I got it right on the podcast. You'll hear it next week. She is from, uh, based here in New York City. Spent a lot of time in Buenos Aires, so she's got a lot of history to catch us up on. And it's a very enlightening episode. So until next week, enjoy your summer. Thank you, everybody.